Welcome to This is America in VOA Special English. I'm Barbara Klein. And I'm Steve Ember. This week on our program, we look at musical diplomacy, past and present. And we talk to an actor whose most recent role came from his own childhood. But first, we meet a group of high school students who started their own orchestra. The Student Symphonic Orchestra of Fairfax, Virginia, near Washington, recently celebrated its first anniversary. A young man named Matthew Martz started the group in his last year of high school. It began with 12 friends from the school orchestra. Michelle Bowie was one of them. Matt is one of my very good friends, so I did it um, as a friend, but also because I love playing the violin. Michelle, who is now in college, says she likes that the students run the orchestra themselves. Music choices are usually decided by a majority vote. We've played some like pop music. We're playing Phantom Opera. We're playing John Williams, who's um, a famous composer who did like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Superman, um, in addition to the classical music. Orchestra member Lizzie Culberston plays the French horn. It has a really, really versatile sound, first of all. Um, I can do so many things with it. Like It can be really pretty or it can be really angry. The Student Symphonic Orchestra now has more than 30 members. 16-year-old violinist Nicholas Black joined after he read a story about the group in a local newspaper. He says he likes that the music is more challenging than what he plays with his school orchestra. The music here is much more complicated, it's a lot harder, um, but I think that's partly because it's also with uh, woodwinds and brass and the, basically with the band. Um, at school, we, it's just strings. We don't have a complete orchestra or anything. 13-year-old oboe player Kanika Sahi is the youngest member. They just show me how to be better, um, different techniques of playing, stuff like that. Matt Martz leads the orchestra as the conductor. He says having musicians of different ages and abilities is not a problem. A player who hasn't been playing for very long, I try to keep them next to the section player, you know, or leader, as we'd call it, that uh, has been playing a while so that they can, you know, always ask a question and say, hey, I, I don't know what this, uh, I don't know what that means. Matt is now in college studying music education. The orchestra's rehearsals bring him back to his hometown every weekend. He says the orchestra gives him the chance to improve his teaching skills. This experience is teaching me, you know, how to how to, you know, more or less teach um, teenagers, how to, how to say, you know, okay, we're having a problem with this section. Let's clap it. Let's sing it. The orchestra performs for free but receives donations that help pay for necessities like sheet music. Our first concert we made uh, $1,100, um, which was fantastic. That helped pay for uh, you know a lot of the music that we had um, purchased. And then this last concert in January, we made over $1,500, which was just incredible. Good. 
Art and culture can bring people together, so they can often be effective instruments of public diplomacy. For the United States, one of the most successful public diplomacy efforts of the late twentieth century was the Jazz Ambassadors Program. An exhibit launched in Washington looks back at this exercise in musical diplomacy. Now, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Armstrong. Jazz ambassadors like Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie, Benny Goodman, Duke Ellington, and Dave Brubeck traveled the world. These musicians visited more than thirty-five countries from the 1950s. To the seventies, they traveled in the former Soviet Union, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. Their music influenced the image of the United States and helped ease Cold War tensions. Curtis Sandberg at the Meridian International Center in Washington is curator of the exhibit called Jam Session. No one traveled back then. If you think about sort of normal people, you know, who in 1956 got on an airplane and went to Burma?、Uh, it, it just was unheard of. Or to Thailand. These were romantic locales for most people. And、um, so the jazz ambassadors were really quite famous. You know, they were really hailed as America's diplomats musically. And the legacy that they left is still valid. A jam session is when musicians get together and play whatever they like. The exhibit, sponsored by the State Department, will travel around the world over the next three years. It includes 100 photographs from 22 years of the Jazz Ambassadors program. These guys were remarkable. They braved dangers, sickness,、uh, really tough tours, and they were kept out very often for upwards of three months. They were under some pretty grueling conditions, and they were they were heroes. Today, the State Department has a program called Rhythm Road. It brings together different forms of music, from jazz and blues to Cajun and hip hop. The aim is to share American music with the world and improve cross-cultural understanding. State Department official Mara Pally says cultural diplomacy. Remains extremely important in the world today. Cultural diplomacy offers us a really unique way to connect with people that we otherwise wouldn't. And、um, art and music, in particular, really transcends、uh, religious, political, language divides、um, in a way that that nothing else does. Penny Van Eschen is a history professor at the University of Michigan. She says cultural diplomacy should be used as a model for international relations. It's a lesson to many countries to open up and have、um, far more cultural exchange, and make that a priority for diplomacy. And that remains as relevant today as it would have been in the 1950s and 60s. Music remains an important part of American public diplomacy. The newest generation of jazz musicians includes nine-year-old trumpet player 
Jeffrey Galland. He started performing when he was five. He is the youngest jazz instrumentalist ever to perform at Washington's Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, and at the White House. Well, I got to play with the president's own piano player, so that was pretty cool.、Uh, I didn't play for President Bush because I think he was on a trip to Iraq. It's a cool style of music, and I want to keep doing it. Rene Rivera is an actor who has appeared on TV shows like Law and Order and in many films. He is also a theater actor. His most recent play was Personal. It followed his journey from poverty in Texas to the theater in New York City and the film world of Hollywood, California. He performed the one-man play. Called the King of the Desert, at a small historic theater in Hollywood, the name of the play came from words he heard from his father. His father told him that their ancestors were the kings and queens of the Olmecs, Toltecs, Mayans, Aztecs, and other ancient peoples. Here is Rene Rivera playing his father. Who is talking to Mijo or my son as a young boy in San Antonio, Texas? Tonight, you, with your dark skin and your foolish tears, you have that blood running in your veins, Mijo. Your ancestors were the kings and the queens of the desert. Rene Rivera's wife, Stacy Martino, is a playwright. She wrote *The King of the Desert*. She wanted to explore her husband's Latino roots as a family project, as a way to teach their young daughter. Renee really identifies as an American, and I kept saying, "But you're a Mexican American. I want to understand the Mexican part." So I sat down and I researched a lot about the, the the stories and the legacy of the Mexican culture. And from that, I decided to really write my version of Renee's personal mythology. The story begins in the barrio, a poor area of San Antonio, Texas, where many Latinos live. Rene Rivera says strong family ties and a shared Catholic faith helped people deal with the hard life in their community. There's a very poetic beauty in that, in that sort of urban kind of、uh, um, war zone Americana that is not really known, not really talked about, not really seen, and yet it is it is a, a part of the a spine of of America. But he says there was too much alcohol and too little communication, and sometimes there was violence. And with that, we hear fireworks. We're thrilled until we realize that it's still daylight and that the fireworks are in actuality gunfire. The gangs in our barrio are awake. I lie on the ground covering my head. Rene Rivera found a way out of the barrio through school and theater. 
He studied at a Catholic university in San Antonio. Then he entered the Juilliard School, the nation's leading training center for the performing arts. That fall, I moved to New York. Got there on, on a Greyhound bus and and started living in New York. I started going to school and and it was an amazing, amazing shock and and eye-opening experience.、Uh, so it was like going to a different planet. It was beautiful. It was an amazing,、uh, frightening, and yet just invigorating experience. In the King of the Desert, he plays members of his family and other characters. He tells the story of a boy in an immigrant neighborhood that connects two cultures, Mexican and American. Rene Rivera has performed in many Shakespearean productions. But he says he found the King of the Desert more intense. He says experiencing old emotions can be difficult, but the process has helped him better understand where he came from. Our program was based on reporting by Faiza El Masri. Amra Aliresovich and Mike O'Sullivan. I'm Barbara Klein, and I'm Steve Ember. We have a link to a video of the Student Symphonic Orchestra of Fairfax on our website, voaspecialenglish.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes at VOA Learning English. We leave you with the orchestra in a concert recorded at Shenandoah University in Winchester, Virginia. Conductor Matthew Martz is a student there. Join us again next week for This Is America in VOA Special English. <laughs>